Today's scripture reading comes from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, 4th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches, so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of every present heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've never been quite sure who to be more miffed at when this particular reading comes up in the lectionary. Whether it should be Jesus for saying all these wonderful parables and then describing everything to his disciples in private, or whether it's the disciples who seemingly forgot to transmit what Jesus had told them in private to the evangelist, or the evangelist who failed to write down the explanations that Jesus had given them in private about what all these parables mean, and also about this secrets of the kingdom of God. So it has been left up for two millennium, I suppose, for preachers to try to make hay out of these parables that were seemingly so confusing that the very disciples who walked with Jesus had to pull him aside at intervals and ask him, what exactly are you trying to say here? Now there are, in some ways, a multitude, perhaps thousands of wonderful ways that we could go about applying these parables of Jesus that he speaks here in the fourth chapter of Mark, and also somewhat mirrored in the 13th chapter of Matthew, very similar stories about the mustard seed, about the sower, how those relate to the experiences that we have had as disciples, as children of God called into this faith through Christ. Particularly this image of the mustard seed, this thing that is so small, yet grows into something so mighty, Pastors and preachers and those of us in our daily lives have used this as an image of baptism. How faith starts with us is this very, very small thing, but it grows throughout our lives and can have great and wonderful impact upon us and upon the whole world, loving God and loving neighbor out of something so tiny as a splash of water on the head three times in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or perhaps this has also been the favorite of just about every stewardship campaign that's ever been run in the church. If you just make a small contribution, oh my goodness, look at what the church can do with it. That's true, by the way, for when the stewardship campaign comes around, by the way. But it's also been used, I think perhaps most meaningfully, in the ways in which these small individual moments of people's faithfulness have impacted our own lives in ways that the person doing it probably couldn't even comprehend at the time. As a pastor, my call story is not filled with road to Damascus moments where I'm riding in a horse or on a car and struck by a blinding light hearing the voice of Jesus. It was always smaller things, 
little moments with family, with church family, with neighbors, with pastors, where they would say something, they would do something small and insignificant in that moment in time, but it was a seed like a mustard seed that would bloom and blossom into something so much greater. In fact, I was just visiting with a church member this week, and she told me a story that I thought so perfectly, so perfectly illustrated the mustard seed parable that Jesus speaks about here. She is now confined to her home, um, at least for a short period of time. Her husband passed a few months ago. She is alone most of the time. And a neighbor of hers, on Mother's Day, out of the blue, actually a former neighbor of hers, drove all the way across town to knock on her door and to give her a hug because God had put it on her heart. A couple cents, a couple dollars worth of gasoline, a small moment out of the day to embrace someone both as a sign of love that we feel for one another and in response to the way that God calls us to live out our baptismal vocation in these very small ways, but had a tremendously wonderful impact, both on the person receiving the hug for how she felt that day and her faith in God, which was renewed and restored and flourished out of something so small. Mustard seed moments are something that I think many of us have experienced again and again as Christians living lives of discipleship. But you see, there's a catch to all this. The more that I started to prepare for this Sunday's sermon, the more of these mustard seed moments that started to pop into my head from my own lives and from the stories of saints that I've known in person and saints gone generations past, the more that I started to look at where this particular parable and the parable about the man scattering and sowing the seed, he doesn't know how it grows, but it grows and he goes in with a sickle, the more I begin to frame them in the overall position that they stand within Jesus' words here. And I found something somewhat peculiar, and I want to give a disclaimer before I say this. If you have experienced faith and joy as a result of the parable of the mustard seed or of the sower, please continue to do so. But the catch is, these parables aren't actually for you. You see, Jesus here is speaking in parables not to the disciples and not for the disciples. Jesus speaks of the mustard seed, and Jesus speaks of the sower, and oftentimes when Jesus speaks in the parables, both in chapters 4 in Mark and chapters 13 in Matthew, or at other times, he is speaking to those outside of the assembly of his followers, outside of the disciples, outside of his church. Jesus goes ahead and does what it says here at the end of the lectionary reading with his disciples. He pulls the 12, or three sometimes, if he wants to be very particular in a given day, over to the side. And he explains to them the exact meaning of the kingdom of God. He explains to them the mysteries of faith. He explains to them what I assume is something almost verbatim to the creeds that we say every Sunday. Okay, that was a joke. But it's probably something somewhat akin to that. He doesn't paint picture and tell stories in metaphorical ways, seemingly, when he talks to his disciples. And we in church, I suppose, do the same thing. When we talk about God, when we talk about Christ, we kind of take things from that 100-level education to that 200-level education. We talk about things like the doctrine of the Trinity. We talk about things that come from our confessions, the doctrine of the evangelical movement. 
how we are saved by grace through faith. We talk about Jesus in somewhat systematic ways, and sometimes when we do this, we get lost ourselves. At least that's the case for me. Sometimes it seems like the more I read, the more confused I forget. St. Thomas Aquinas, who was one of the great doctors and scholars of the church, towards the end of his life, he had written tome upon tome upon tome of theological work, and looking back on everything that he had said and written, he said, I consider it to be all straw, in some ways recognizing that the more that we know about the mysteries and secrets of God that he explains to his disciples, the less and less we seemingly can comprehend exactly what's going on. So what are we to make of these parables? if maybe they're not exactly meant specifically for us. I think at least for this moment for me, what I am drawing out of the fourth chapter of Mark is of course those examples of mustard seed moments that I've had throughout my life, but also the lesson here that I think is offered us by what Jesus is doing there in that moment. And it has to do with that E word that sometimes we shy a little bit away from within at least the Lutheran church. Jesus is evangelizing. And this is Jesus' way of evangelizing the world. And sometimes we become stopped in our tracks when we think about evangelism, not only because we don't necessarily want to knock on people's doors or be intrusive or anything like that, but we sometimes get stopped in our tracks because we think that the proper way for us to evangelize as good, formed, confirmed, all that Christians is to know everything about God. Everything about what Jesus has explained in secret to the disciples, everything we learned through our catechetical experience when we were teenagers, everything we've come to know throughout sermons and Bible studies and all the other times that we've opened the word of God for ourselves, and that we should be able to articulate that perfectly to someone that we're going to talk to. If someone asks us about God or has an inquiry about what it means to be a Christian, sometimes a light goes off and says, I need to describe to them the concept of the Trinity. I need to talk about how faith works exactly. I need to be able to articulate how God is moving perfectly throughout the world. And when we can't do that, sometimes we feel as though we're not the right person to go about speaking of faith or Christ to those who are seeking to know more. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't seem worried about that. When Jesus speaks to people who are not part of his assembly, when the crowds are gathered, whether there's so much that he has to go out on a boat because they're filling up the shoreline like here in the gospel, or whether it's just an assembly in a crowd around a, or in a town around a well, Jesus decides to speak in metaphors, in analogies, in parables. Jesus paints a picture first and foremost when it comes to explaining the kingdom of God to those who are only yet beginning to discover who God is and what God is doing in the world. The mustard seed, the sower, many of the parables might not be exactly tailor-made for us who have been formed in the faith, although they are useful. But they are decidedly useful as a model for how we speak to people about what it is that we experience with God. Who God is and what God is doing. We evangelize not by having all the right answers. We evangelize perhaps most perfectly as Jesus does here by telling a story, by painting a picture, by saying things that even the disciples seemingly have to ask him questions about.
Perhaps they're imperfect descriptions. Maybe they're vague. Of course they're vague. They're open to interpretation. But they are a way to communicate for us to a people who need to hear the gospel, but probably aren't quite ready to hear the fullness of everything that we have in the Lutheran confessions. If someone is curious about God, let me recommend don't pull out the Augsburg Confession and the Book of Concord and just start reading. Tell a story. Paint a picture. Use one of the parables that Jesus has given us as an example, or maybe, maybe better yet, paint a picture and tell a story that speaks to your own experience with God. Even if it sounds light, even if it sounds inadequate, as long as it's true, it will come through to people. God is like a sunny day. God is like the storm clearing away. God is like driving down University Avenue at class change time and somehow there are no students crossing from the mountain layer over to Woodburn. Localize it and personalize it the best you can. How do you tell that story to yourself? Maybe that's the homework and the question for this week. And if you ask and answer that to yourself again and again, maybe you will come up with something that the world will be ready to hear. What does your experience of God look like? feel like, sound like? What is God doing in your life? And if you can paint a picture, if you can find an example, and if you can retell it to a world that is eager to hear about God, but not quite ready for the 200 level class, then you'll be doing exactly what Jesus is doing here in the text. Amen.